that our brains are basically they are malleable they are plastic they are not blocks of concrete that we cannot change on the contrary we can change our brains with intentional activities and our brains actually change all the time even if you want it or not i believe every person deserves kindness in their lives i believe kindness has the power to change us from the inside out to change the world beginning with you and me and that's why i wanted to create a show called self-kindness self-kindness with pete it's about figuring out how kindness towards ourselves can be our superpower. How kindness is more than just a reward at the end of the day. It's about living clear lives, focused lives, motivated by loving concern, rather than motivated by fear and anxiety. It's about how we make that change. How does self-kindness show up the moment we need it the most? You are so worthy of the kindness that's already in you, and each week, We'll be exploring how to do that with people who are leading this kindness awakening in their own lives. My name is Pete Sibley, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Self-Kindness with Pete. I'm Pete Sibley, and really grateful that you're here right now listening to this. As always, just going to take a moment to invite you to notice where are you? Are you sitting while you're listening right now? Are you standing? Are you walking around a neighborhood uh, with some earbuds in or maybe biking down a trail? Boy, that would be great to be biking down a trail with you. So today I feel like this is a great interview with an amazing guest, a social psychologist, Dr. Palin Kesseber. I feel like she's gives us in this interview kind of like our brain happiness 101 course that we need right now. So really excited to get into this one. But before we do, as always, I feel like there's maybe a little reflection that I want to share with you. Um, And today, just before recording this and hitting record, I started to notice that I was feeling a little bit, you know, some of the telltale signs uh, as a type 1 diabetic that you start to see, I started to notice that I had a low blood sugar. And I kind of had a tight schedule for wanting to record this and some other things on my my to-do list today. And that low blood sugar, like, that wasn't in the plan. And so I just smiled uh, as I went and got something to help boost that sugar. You know, I feel like Everything around me is always an opportunity to teach me. That's what we talk about today with my my guest. That's, I feel like, what comes up in almost every conversation that we've had in these up to now 14 episodes of self-kindness with Pete is what is the perspective that we're holding? How can we use, literally use, the experience of the moment to bring us back in, to connect with something that is kind, compassionate, honest, truthful inside of us. Like, life always gives us that opportunity. So, low blood sugar was not on the to-do list today, and yet here it is. And here's my insertion to just say, like, COVID was not on your list for 2020. 
you know, the issues that are coming up in your life, I'm sure most of them, at least 50%, were not on your list. And yet, how do you bring yourself to that? And that really is the question of the year, of the month, of the week, of the day, of this moment. How do we bring ourselves to what is here? You know, I am a big proponent of everything is here to work for my good. And that's my own personal, I guess, spiritual journey. I was sharing that with with another parent on the beach last night who just sounded overwhelmed. And as we were talking, I said, well, you know, my crazy idea is that all of this will serve us. All of this will have an unexpected outcome. And I believe it's for good. And finally, before I introduce my guest today, I want to invite you to stick around to the end. I have a new coaching offer that I hope that you uh, will check out. It's being designed and has been designed specifically around the needs of this moment, the needs of 2020, what has come out of 2020. And really, it's, it's a combination of all my experience of working with people, getting in touch of that inner truth and wisdom and guidance, that, you know, good that I'm referring to. And also, it incorporates, again, that wisdom and knowledge that is being shared in these podcasts. And I invite you to listen back as almost every single guest has talked about the importance and the value of self-kindness. And however that word or that definition comes up for you, a self-awareness practice is paramount for us to respond to the needs in this moment, for us to respond to the issues in our life, for us to really step into and become and live as the heart-centered loving, kind, generous person we know we can be. So stick around for the end of this interview where I'll share more about that, or you can run over to PeteSibley.com and check out that new offering. So my guest today is Dr. Palin Kesseber, assistant scientist, social psychologist at the Center for Healthy Minds at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Dr. Kesseber is also part of the Healthy Minds Initiative, and she specializes in the psychology of happiness. Studying various elements of happiness, for example, a healthy mind, healthy relationships, a healthy sense of self, Dr. Kesseber aims to arrive at an integrated understanding of what happiness is and how it can be cultivated. I'm so excited for this conversation. Please welcome Dr. Kesseber. So, hello, Dr. Palin Kesseber. Thanks so much for joining me today on Self-Kindness with Pete. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. And before we started recording, I shared with you that I am, to say I'm excited is maybe an understatement. I kind of feel <laughs> like it's a little bit about like, like Christmas morning here Aww. getting to talk with you. <laughs> Thank Just you. about the research that you're doing and the way that you articulate that. Um, so mm-hmm. I know that my audience and myself are going to really enjoy uh, being with you today. So 
maybe just to jump right in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, the work that you do in the world, and why did you say yes to a self-kindness conversation today? Sure, sure. Yeah, so um, I am a social psychologist and personality psychologist by training, and I work as a research scientist at the Center for Healthy Minds at, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And my main area of research is, um, it's really well-being um, or happiness, um, but an enduring type of happiness, a sustainable type of happiness. Um, and and particularly its relationship to personality, personality qualities, character strengths, um, what we might call virtue. Um, those are my main interests. And I said yes to a conversation about self-kindness because I truly, truly believe in its importance for uh, for us to be, to be able to feel enduringly happy and um, content in our lives, we do need to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. And a big portion of that healthy relationship with ourselves, I would say it's, it is self-kindness. I would venture to say that um, it is it is almost impossible to feel um, high levels of well-being if we do not have something, um, something akin to self-kindness. Mm-hmm. So, how would you define self-kindness then, in the context that you're you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would probably say that it is being kind and considerate toward yourself um especially in moments of failure or in moments of difficulty which i mean a a lot of life is like that right we we do have difficult moments and in those moments being able to accept ourselves being able to treat ourselves with compassion and also seeing ourselves from a distance maybe as somebody who is deserving of worthiness who is deserving of love and um compassion um that's probably how i how i would define Mm self-kindness yeah i love those words you're putting in there and (laughs) and you know that idea of observing ourselves Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm wow that's that's such a vital piece to it if we're just so in into the moment and situation without that ability to almost step back and and change that perspective then it seems like we just get taken over by the moment in the situation rather than absolutely having having that other perspective so absolutely yeah and i would say perspective and self-kindness they are so intricately related um, Mm. because if we are self-absorbed if we are lost in the moment in a moment of suffering it's almost I mean it's of course the most natural thing to feel self-absorbed but if we step out of that suffering for a moment and just see ourselves from a distance and just even for a second if we consider the fact that we are part of history we are part of seven billion people um and what we are experiencing the suffering that we are experiencing 
somebody has experienced that in the past (laughs) and somebody else is experiencing it right in this moment Mm. and somebody will experience it in the future. I mean, of course, it's not going to be the exactly same thing, but some version of it. So if you are worried about your kids, if you are worried about your um, finances, if you are worried about your health, like it's just part of being human and if we have that Mm. broader perspective it just becomes easier to take the suffering because then it's not as personal right it's not about Mm. you it's about being human yeah oh wow well lots there to to unpack what you're you're mentioning about that noticing that you're not alone in Mm -hmm. what you're experiencing but I feel like that is a tendency a lot of the people that I'm in conversation with and in my own personal journey, mm-hmm. that was the experience that I was alone in that. And mm-hmm. that's what leads a person into that cycle of negativity, ultimately into depression mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. feeling that they're alone. Yeah. And so this a journey of self-kindness, in my experience, it needed to, to be an inner something that interrupted that cycle so it wouldn't continue to spin. Have you seen something or found something in the research that you do that helps to interrupt that in the moment? I feel like that is such an important thing, right? Mm-hmm. As a mm-hmm. person is standing there, and again, we can know everything there is about, yes, other people have gone through this experience, but when we're feeling it, it feels so real, so right. personal. Right, right, right. So how do you interrupt it? You know, the example <laughs> I give a lot is as a parent, you know, my kid's standing there, they're screaming at me uh-huh. that they're not going to brush their teeth. I'm uh-huh. exhausted. My wife is at, you know, how do I interrupt it in that mm-hmm. moment to get that perspective? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, like there are studies about self-distancing, um, which is about just distancing yourself. You can distance yourself temporally meaning think about you know like five years ahead like are you gonna remember like what's happening in the moment (laughs) or if you are gonna remember remember it how do you want to remember it do you want to remember yourself as the you know the screaming impatient uh parent which is again it's it's very understandable right it's very understandable mm-hmm. or maybe just maybe step away like a, a parent who is maybe a little bit calmer and um you know if you need it you can take a break from this and you can come back and um so th- that's what studies show usually um putting this temporal distance just time traveling time traveling to a future mm-hmm. where this is in the past and how do you wish you would have um behaved uh, or also just thinking about the fact that this is going to be past this is this is a temporary situation something transient that 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 might help and then also think about it um again as part of the human experience right you are surely not the only parent who are who is undergoing this kind of nightly <laughs> you know right, right. right. yeah well i you know another thing you just brought up that time travel mm. it, i feel like In my experience, again, that stepping away experience, people call it mindfulness, people Mm -hmm. call it awareness. In my mindfulness awareness practice, which is one of Mm -hmm. self-inquiry, going back and intentionally looking at what was my mind narrative in that moment? What were some of the, the thoughts? What I noticed 
and have noticed is that I am time traveling in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I've taken myself out of being right there with my child. And when I really slow it down, Palin, and maybe uh, I would love to hear if some of your research has shown this, I slow it down and I witness in that moment what I was thinking was, you know, that my child should be listening to me. Mm-hmm. And I start projecting if they don't listen to me right now, if I don't get my point across right now, then I start seeing them sitting in a dentist chair and I'm paying <laughs> money. I see and it it keeps going, right? Then yeah. I see them not listening to me to turn off the TV and then they're not listening to me as they grow up. And now they're a teenager and they're getting, you know, mm-hmm. like on and on and on. I start to notice that's what's happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's it's more about trying to create, you know, so then I become more agitated and more angry, mm-hmm. not because mm-hmm. I'm reacting to a small child who won't brush your teeth, but because I am time traveling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's, you know, time travel, it can be used for good purposes and bad purposes, <laughs> right. right? And oftentimes we use it inadvertently for um, like bad purposes i mean anxiety is almost a it's an abuse of imagination um or an Mm. abuse of um this time traveling capacity in some situations like our minds will spin stories and just getting lost in those stories in that moment actually does not help us right right um and and again in those situations just as you said, inquiring into these narratives, like what story am I telling myself in this moment? Yeah, what is the underlying narrative? What is my inner voice really saying? Um, Just developing an awareness about that can really go a long way, right? In cultivating self-kindness. You know, just being aware of the inner voice, but not necessarily listening to it. Just being aware, what does it say? Yeah. So is there, I mean, I feel like there, there has been a lot of science behind the developing and re almost rewiring, reworking our brain in that instance that does that noticing does a a mindfulness practice, does it show in the research that it actually Mm -hmm. helps to, to move our brain, me doing that self-inquiry okay, now I'm aware that that comes up. So the next time my kid is saying, no, I don't want to brush my teeth, Mm -hmm. I have a new reference point. So now I might even smile to myself and (laughs) and start thinking like, okay, it's, you know, it's not five years ahead where my kid's teeth are rotting out. It's right here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let me pay attention. Oh, my kid is tired. They need a snack, you know? So it brings me back to being the person I want to be. So So I guess like, is that really true? Is that is what hap- is happening in my brain? Right. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. There are um, a host of studies that show the effectiveness of mindfulness training in, in a way, rewiring the brain, um, changing the circuits in the brain. And it all comes down to a quality of the brain that we call neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity, which means that our brains are... Basically, they are malleable, they are plastic, they are not like blocks of concrete that we cannot 
change. On the contrary, we can change our brains with intentional activities. And our brains actually change all the time, even if you want it or not. But if we have some intentional mm. activities, um, such as mindfulness, we can shape our brains um, in a way that is going to be more helpful. And the mindfulness practice, what it does is it allows us to monitor our thoughts and our feelings in the moment. And then we observe them. And that observation gives us the opportunity to respond in a way that is most constructive. So when you notice your reactions toward your kids, when they do not um, brush their teeth, when you notice what's going on in your mind and in your in your body um or also when you notice what's going on inside your kids then that gives you the ability to just stop for a moment instead of reacting automatically um you just think okay what's the most constructive response here so it really mindfulness puts a it puts a distance between the stimulus and the reaction so the stimulus is your um, kids not brushing their teeth and then um, the response is how you respond to it if you are mindful you get that you get that gap between stimulus and response and in that gap lies i mean a lot right that there lies a constructive response versus a, a very unhelpful destructive response mm-hmm. right you know i can't help but think of that that space that you just spoke mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. as it relates to people who are leaders in our society mm-hmm. oh, yeah. maybe that is my my own personal uh, passion is that thinking that a self-kindness conversation could have a ripple effect. Well, I don't know. I just I I get idealistic of thinking, what would it be like if our leaders had that pause before they responded, before they acted? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean it is it is an important quality in everyone. I would say, um, but especially in leaders, um, it's the it's the opposite of being impulsive and thoughtless and just. Um, hurting hurting relationship or relationships or like just saying things that um that you cannot take back um mindfulness definitely would would help with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you know it, with the understanding that it's not about stopping and i felt like maybe i read that something that you had said or or uh, an interview where i heard you say something about um how I heard it was, it's not about stopping mm. um, these thoughts or right. even that, right. that proclivity that we have towards a negative bias, but it's about recognizing that Very and, true. Mm-hmm. and almost embracing that as part of our humanity Oh yes, and realizing that, that that's the work that we get to do. Definitely. over and over yeah 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 i mean the thing is like we cannot stop our brains we cannot um we cannot fight with our own feelings or 
thoughts, right? I mean, it's it's a losing battle. Just tell your mind not to do something, and it will <laughs> it will immediately start doing more of it. So um, we really cannot get into a battle with our um, with our minds. But what we can do is we can notice our like we can notice what's going on and then be like, oh, okay, I see that, right? I see that right now I am um, I am just mad or right now I am just having these thoughts of, say, um, unworthiness. Um, and then just, that's okay. That's how I'm feeling right now. Um, are those helping me? Are those, again, just the word constructive? I, I, I find it very um, important because it's really like, does it help me or not? That's the question to ask. Something can even sometimes be true or it can have the seeds of truth, but is it really helping you, right? And also like our thoughts and um, emotions, it's just, again, it's part of the human experience, right? And like we have no complete control over them very obviously we also do not have complete control over our um, behaviors i mean if we had complete control over our behaviors like who would choose to become say a um like an addict or who would choose to like develop eating disorders or who would choose to become choose to have like debilitating social anxiety we wouldn't choose those things right so there are so many things over which we do not have control it's important to recognize that right it is true that there are a lot of things over which we have no control but it's also true that there are a lot of things over which we do have control and rather than getting worked up about the things over which we have no control just focus on the part on the part that is in your hands and mm-hmm. and be compassionate towards the parts of yourself um, that maybe are not ideal right maybe you have a proclivity towards anxiety which is like so many people have that and um, it's just mm-hmm. it's just a genetic lottery or it's it's like a life lottery right like you did not choose to be born as a like as a man you did not choose to be born as a as an american and you did not choose to be born as as maybe somebody with a high proclivity towards anxiety right um it's mm. just like we were thrown into this existence and we are just trying to make the best of it so just make peace with the parts that um you did not necessarily choose but also ask yourself can I just get better? How can I, what can I do that's in my power that would get me to a better place? Hmm. It might seem like an obvious question, but I'm going to pose it anyway. Oh, please. Um, Why a movement towards choosing to grow ourselves? Why Mm -hmm. a movement to, to sustaining happiness? You know, there could be part of me that says, well, if I was born (laughs) this way, that's who I am. And well, you could also choose that if if it gives you fulfillment and joy. Um, if you, I mean, I feel that as humans, we are we are just wired to desire fulfillment and happiness, uh, contentment, whatever you call it. But we do want to feel better. We do want to feel um, satisfied with life. And if we feel that there are parts about us that keep us from feeling as good as we could feel, 
um, I think even if we want it or not, we just we just want to improve. Growing is almost an an instinct, and it also makes us happy. We do know that when people feel like they are making progress towards their goals, when they feel like they are learning new things, when they feel like they are growing as a person, that is a deep source of satisfaction for a person. So we are almost wired to to want that. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I I, I, I agree. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, mm. in what you're talking about of that, that desire towards fulfillment, mm-hmm. that that's wired in us. You talked about sustaining happiness. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed in my own journey is that what feels like an ability to sustain happiness more regularly mm-hmm. has been an allowance of all of the different parts of Pete to show up. For whether sure. it's it's the grumpy Pete or whether it's the, you know, the dad who who loses his cool over the teeth brushing or, you know, who yeah. panics about bills. Like all of it is welcome to the table. And yes. the more that I do that, the more the happiness is sustained. For sure. Feels- Mm-hmm. It feels different than the message I feel like I received about happiness, yes. which is yes. like you're feeling good, you're optimistic, you're hopeful all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely, a, it's a myth. It's a myth that to be happy means to feel good all the time. Um, it's unrealistic. It's also not only unrealistic, but it's also unhealthy. Um yeah. Because that, that's not how life is, right? Like there is suffering in this world. There is, um, there are many losses. We get old. We lose people we love. Um, how can we not feel bad, right? We are gonna feel bad. And um, when we talk about um, sustainable happiness or well-being, what we mean is an underlying sense of contentment, um, an underlying sense of you know, it's okay. It's okay. I'm feeling okay. And um, it's almost like equanimity, right? Things are going to happen that are going to hurt, but it's okay. That's life. Um, So this is a a more, I would say, a more mature understanding of happiness, one that allows the existence of negative emotions and their right to exist and negative emotions are are really they 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 have so many functions if you do not feel negative emotions i mean they're almost like a like an alarm right like when you like when you feel pain in your body they tell you you know there's something something going on with your body so you just need to do something about it right Mm. so you need you need to change your behavior or you need to go see a doctor um it's the same with negative emotions negative emotions tell us something that is important in our lives in our emotional lives it's giving alarms it's it's ringing some bells right they are trying to help us they are trying Mm. to give us an important message so how do we stay in that place of you know almost like creating uh, cultivating creativity in those <laughs> those moments of stress and anxiety what does the research say about you know mindfulness and awareness to yeah to be more creative in how we are seeing things yeah you know it comes down to practice the more you practice being mindful and um being creative in 
um, reappraising the situation, just interpreting it slightly differently, seeing it from a from a perspective that tell that that is slightly more helpful. All of this you will get better at it if you practice it more and you can practice it um at any moment in your life you can have a formal practice um you can meditate um mindfulness meditation which is very very helpful but you can also just in regular moments in your life when you are in a situation when you find yourself in a situation i mean good or bad just first of all check check in with yourself how am i, how am I feeling in this moment what is my dominant feeling in this moment and also if you are especially if you are feeling um, negative emotions you can inquire as we talked in the beginning, inquire into the narrative in your mind, inquire into your um, inner voice. What is it saying? And once you notice that, remind yourself that there are always different ways of looking at things, right? Um, so you can look at, like you lose your job, you can look at it as the worst thing that happened to you, or you can look at it as an opportunity to create a new and better life, right? And there are like mm -hmm. countless examples. And we know from research that um, actually a lot of happiness differences between people, it comes down not to what people experience, what happens to them, meaning like whether or not they lose their job in our example, rather it comes down to how they interpret it. Um, so like interpretation is really key to well-being. And yeah, like in um, going back to the mindfulness, cultivating mindfulness and um, creativity idea, how can you look at the situation in, in a different way? How can you just look at it from a different perspective and just do it do it once do it twice again the more you do it the more often you do it the more automatic it will become in your mind right, mm -hmm. right. It's, it's a practice oh it, no like there is no doubt about that it's almost like um physical exercise right if you want to change your body you have to you have to exercise right there's no mm -hmm. way um you can change your body without practicing um, or learning a new language or learning to say playing a, a, an instrument. Um, so well-being is a skill, right? It is a skill. Yeah. And yeah. to learn any skill, you need practice. And again, with any other skill, we are born at different levels, right? Um, right. Like yeah. some of us are just naturally better at mindfulness and some of us are naturally better at um, looking at things from a from a positive um, perspective but if you set your mind to it you can improve just as if you set your mind to um, learning how to play um, the piano even if you are pretty poor in terms of your um, inborn talents, you will make progress, you will get right, better. Right. And it's the same with well-being, it's the same with self-kindness. Um, it's just, not, it's not easy, but no skill that's worth learning is easy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that you're pointing to a, a lot of what I find comes up in the people that I have conversation with is that, you know, putting in that time putting in that effort and especially as adults yeah. like i i often say you know as adults we get good at certain things and we like to stay in that lane of what we're good at yeah. and we don't like to look clumsy or <laughs> as the beginner right. and yet a lot of us 
self-kindness and self-love like we're all mm. always kind of beginners at that and learning that so yeah it's, it's interesting but what I have witnessed as a musician mm. and teaching adults how to play guitar I am always just you know I'm I'm moved by the courage it takes for somebody who they may be a surgeon and they're sitting across from me and their fingers are fumbling <laughs> on the the fretboard of the guitar yeah. yet they're there they're showing up and they're willing to be vulnerable in front of me who I've I've played music all my life so huh. I feel like that's something we can develop in ourselves right that willingness to look exposed and vulnerable to oh, somebody yes. else knowing that it does two things it grows us and the other thing that it does is it also gives me the okay mm -hmm. like, to watch this person who maybe in our community is seen as somebody who is very let's say high in the community as a as a surgeon come and be willing to show them their vulnerability yeah Oh yeah, and and Pete, I would say self kindness and the willingness to be vulnerable—they are um, almost the opposite sides of a, of the same coin, right? Um, because oftentimes, when we are unkind towards ourselves, it's because we cannot accept weakness, we cannot accept failure, and it it's, it's, it comes from a desire for perfectionism how am i not perfect how am i not getting what i want why is life not giving me what i want it's um what's wrong with me why am i deficient you are not deficient you are just a human right and you like none of us um is perfect and it really self-kindness starts with that realization um we are imperfect and we are vulnerable and there's nothing wrong with accepting it and embracing it and even turning it to an advantage because it gives us also courage to start new things doing take undertaking um risky endeavors just like like learning how to play the guitar when you are say like 50 60 years old so so maybe i could turn that into uh, um a question for you about this moment in time that we find ourselves 2020 in the midst of a pandemic we have also the the protests and the the social inequities that are being brought to light but we also have what seems like just a lot of unrest right now mm -hmm. in, in the world so is self-kindness is mindfulness mm -hmm. or awareness or this pursuit of sustainable happiness is that enough or is that a little too self-absorbed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know I, I i'm curious of your own right yeah you know, personal feel on that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well um i would say um it's not self-absorbed it's not a luxury it's a necessity but it's also not sufficient by itself to start with the first point mental health um and i really feel that self-kindness is uh, it is part of mental health it's, mental health cannot be a luxury or pursuing well-being it, it, it's not a luxury it's not um oh like we will wait until we resolve all our problems and then we will care about well-being no because a lot of the societal problems they do actually originate in poor 
mental health and in poor, even a lack of self-kindness um, or um, like narcissism or um, uh, other types of, uh, I would say other types of poor personality, um, they do result in societal costs, right? And um, so we do have to care about both our own well-being and also about other people's well-being if we care about a healthy society. I mean, that is, that is um, I do believe that from the bottom of my heart. Um, so yeah, we do need to pursue our own well-being, but it doesn't mean that um, this is something selfish. Um, again, true well-being is not something, it cannot actually be something that is selfish or self-absorbed true happiness comes from meaningful um, pursuits meaningful engagement it comes from healthy relationships it comes more from giving than taking um, so all of this it is actually going to benefit others mm. yeah so um, that's what I think but at the same time um, of course we also need to care about systemic change we also need to care about laws we need to care about um the larger systems uh in which we are operating so governments um or other other systems of governance in in society they do need to establish policies that prioritize the well-being of people i mean individual and societal problems they um they need they go hand in hand right you cannot have a healthy society without healthy individuals and you cannot have a you cannot have healthy individuals without a healthy um healthy society or healthy ways of governing mm, mm. yeah oh thank you for that as we're wrapping up here palin i would love you know what advice or how do you do these things that you are finding mm -hmm. um, are so important you're finding it through the, the research is backing it up you're seeing it, you know, being written about and being studied. So then how do you take it and personally mm -hmm. apply it in your, oh, your yeah. own life? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's the big question. You know, I feel um, I feel like I was born more towards um, I was born to experience more, I would say, more positive emotions than negative emotions. Um, like um, and I always like to remind people of that, you know, like some of us, we are just born with genes or with a constitution that makes us like more prone towards um, certain certain things. And just remind remember that. Right. Because, again, it can be it can be relaxing um, to know that uh, you know you just see the world from this perspective because it's in your constitution, not necessarily because the world is a maybe a bad place. And then um, I also grew up in a different culture. I grew up uh, in Turkey, uh, Istanbul, and um, you know all cultures they have their positive qualities and negative qualities. And I wouldn't say one is. Um, superior to the other but i feel um a really good quality of the turkish culture is um people are really warm and um loving in, ge in general like relationships are really close it's uh you know the united states for example is a more individualistic society whereas in turkey i mean it's, it's a more collectivistic society and here in the u.s one thing i have noticed is that there's a lot of pressure on people to prove themselves to be acceptable 
right? If you want to be accepted in your peer group, like when I was growing up, I definitely did not notice that. I felt the, the culture was more about it. You know, you are accepted. You are part of the group unless you do things that that qualify you for you know, uh, maybe make people not want you. But um, I also feel that it's important for people to realize the importance of culture, right? So, um, I mean, the American culture, the individualistic ethos, um, I think it has a lot of benefits when it comes to making people achievement-oriented. It makes them creative. It makes them um, strivers. But there is also there's a trade-off uh, uh, about that, and it makes people lonelier and less accepted and more isolated in a way. Again, it's important to be aware that, again, we haven't chosen to, for example, feel that if I'm not a high achiever, then I'm worthless. I mean, part of it is um, culture. Anyway, so um, all of this I'm saying to, uh, I'm telling to say that I, I, I think I was already born with a certain degree of proclivity towards self-kindness. But of course, of course, I have my moments. And of course, I have, I have moments where I have probably like too high standards. And in those moments, I have benefited a lot from what I've read and learned um, about self-kindness and just the things we have talked about, like putting things in perspective, right? Um, like, mm-hmm. like, for example, if I'm thinking that, oh, like, oh my God, I have so much to do and I'm never going to be able to finish all the work that I have. Um, I mean, just put things in perspective. First of all, this is not a matter of life or death, right? Nobody's gonna die if I don't finish my work and also like there are so many people who are probably feeling exactly the same right in this moment and also life is short and do I really want to spend my uh, life feeling overwhelmed like so often right right yeah so and just little little things and just I feel as we age too um, at least in my case, I, I think I've realized the pointlessness of um, self, self-criticism self or just being harsh toward myself. You just realize it's exhausting and it really doesn't help you, right? Mm-hmm. So like once, once you realize it, I think you get better at being kind um, toward yourself. Um, so yeah, I've, I've um, uh, a long, long uh, answer to your question, but um, I think th- those are the things that have helped me with self kindness. Yeah, Palin. So how how can people get to learn more about what you're doing in the world or connect with with some of your your work out there? Mm-hmm. What's what, where can we send people? Um, I would recommend the um, website uh, for the center where I work, Center for Healthy Minds. I, as I said, I work as a scientist there. And at our center, our goal is to improve well-being and decrease suffering in the world through a scientific understanding of the mind. So we try to um, study the qualities of a healthy mind and we also try to distribute the knowledge so that uh, people can benefit from it so um, if they would google center for healthy minds um, at the university of um, wisconsin medicine um, i I think they could access a lot of good information about Mm. yeah about what makes a healthy mind and how can we cultivate a healthy mind and I downloaded the app. Uh, oh yeah, the Mind. Of course. Uh, oh, that's great. I'm great. Really great. I'll, 
I'll put that in the show notes. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, we also have an app, um, and uh, the main, the whole goal of the uh, app is to cultivate a healthy mind. Um, I, I would, I would recommend it um, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, Palin, thank you so much for your time. It is, uh, it's been such a pleasure and, and a privilege to chat mm. with you today. Thank you. And thank you for what you are doing. Those are such important topics. Um, so really appreciate what you do. Mm. <laughs> that was so much fun to hear the science. And just I love understanding that, you know, what we come to know innately about ourselves the science is backing, that our minds are malleable. They're more like plastic than concrete. We can change. And it is so important to be aware of what we're thinking and how we're telling the story about ourselves and about the world, really. Again, I know you are so busy in your life. I'm really, really grateful you would take the time to sit and explore self-kindness in your life. I know that it can make a difference in your everyday, in the world around you. I really do believe that self-kindness is how we get to move forward as a human culture, as human beings, into a world where we're living heart-centered, where we are really living from a place of how beautiful we can make this world together. So I love you, grateful you're here, and... I'll leave you with this song. Until next week. Hey, Self-Kindness with Pete listener. If you're feeling stuck, thinking too much, unable to control emotions, feeling challenges at work or in relationships, maybe you're feeling out of sorts. That self-talk is ramping up and constantly negative. If you've done personal work in the past but still don't feel like you're living that potential, your potential, living a big, fearless, purposeful, and peaceful life, then you gotta sign up for my self-kindness coaching. Self-kindness coaching is my monthly one-on-one coaching where I'm gonna teach you how to know your mind and to create the life you've always wanted. Don't be fooled into thinking because it has kindness in the title that it's not insanely effective. Actually, the opposite is true. You know, just like every person who speaks in this podcast, massive change in the world begins within us. That's why this coaching, self-kindness coaching, is so effective and efficient because it goes directly to the cause. No matter what work you've done in the past, my self-kindness coaching is for you and will change your life. Go to PeteSibley.com slash coaching for more info or click the link in the show notes and can't wait to hear from you we got this